Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. If Conrad and Eric didn't get to your question this week on 83 Weeks, we've got you covered. Tune in for a special Q&A with Eric Bischoff. You listen to them? Now hang out with us. This is After 83 Weeks with Christy Olson. That's me. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz Hello, everybody, and welcome to After 83 Weeks. This is the show for all you huge 83 Weeks fans out there to uh, come and hang out with us. We cover all the big reveals. We get your reactions, and we are going to be breaking down this very special episode of 83 Weeks where you asked Eric anything. My name is Christy Olson, and let me introduce you to these gentlemen right here. One of them is a veteran of the biz, and you can also catch him on the AfterBuzz TV Smackdown After Show. No, 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 not you. It's Christian Rosenberg. She, she, she's talking about me. Hi. There. <laughs> Hello, welcome. I am I'm ready to ask questions and maybe get answers. Yes, we got some answers on this one and I I know this guy's mind is always fluttering with questions. He's a curious young boy, but he knows everything about professional wrestling. We call him the Encyclopedia of WWE. Say hello to George Hermosa. Did you call me curious because of the monkey? Yes, curious George Hermosa. Oh, and now we're going to have some sort of like scandal on this show. No. I, mean, I can't even believe you just said that. No, no, we're just gonna have we're gonna have uh, our listeners make fun drawings of Curious George and put George's face oh on it. Okay, all right, moving on quickly before we get <laughs> canceled, boys. New T-shirt. Wow, is it gonna be that kind of a day, huh? Sure. Controversy. Well, there wasn't a whole lot of controversy this week on 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff because this was a very special episode where they asked for your questions and uh, answered them rapidly. There was a lot of really good ones. We got some juicy juicy tidbits, but we also got kind of some thoughts that I think we can um, apply to current wrestling time. We don't get a lot of chance to talk about what's going on nowadays, but some stuff that Eric said kind of alludes to some things that are going on in this day and age. So, we're going to jump right into it. We want to remind you guys all that we are on Eric's 83 Weeks channel on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe and give us a little thumbs up. Leave a comment. Let us know what you think about the show. And you can catch us on Apple Podcasts as well. Don't forget to leave a comment and rate. We always shout out our raters and commenters right here on the show. We like to do that. So, and also join us live in the live chat. That's right. On Wednesdays at oh, why do I five? You'd think I'd know this. Five it's Pacific. Five Pacific time. <laughs> you mean right now? 8 p.m. Eastern. I'm not going to break the thir- fourth wall. Hey, you can join our live chat right now on the YouTube. We're live comments. as we yeah, speak. We're live. Really? That's it. Yeah. Good, cute guys. <laughs> cute. Well, I'm wondering, did you? We don't really have to submit questions to Eric when we hear that they're doing a question like this because we get to do a very special Q and A with him every week on this show, and he will be skyping in in a few minutes. But were there questions on this week's show that you guys were like, "Yes, good one, so and so, good one at Bob at Mike." I always I do enjoy these once in a while. I mean, I I would not be a fan of them if this was a monthly thing. Okay, but I like because all of a sudden. Here's a question from AWA. Here's a question from last week. Here's yeah. a question. <laughs> so it's just like, you know, it just keeps you, okay, what are we going to talk about next? What's next? What's next? So so I enjoy that. And then, yeah, there's some random ones just like, really? Someone came up with that question? And then there was like, 
that's a how did someone come up with that question? You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, every now and then I think these episodes are good because uh, clearly when they're so focused on a topic, there are some things that you know that they'll never ever talk about ever mm-hmm. ever ever. Uh, so I kind of like it. It kind of opens up for. Like, you know, just every now and then you'll get like, oh, that that would never get asked on a regular episode. I like that they ask, you know, this time. Stuff that wouldn't fill a full show, yeah. maybe, too. Or, or, or people or that would Or even, like, something that would never get brought up during a regular show. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, they'll talk about, you know, World Wild 96, and they'll talk about, like, some random person. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. But this, like, kind of episode kind of just fills in a lot of gaps that you would never hear on a regular episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we have some really great fan questions, too. So before we get to that, I did want to give you guys a chance to um, kick off our show the way that they did by arguing whether Steve Austin or one Hulk Hogan is the greatest professional wrestler of all time. Now that you have heard Eric Bischoff's thoughts, gentlemen, are you prepared to make a choice? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Price. Yes. Go for it. Do you want me to go first or you? You can go first. <laughs> okay. I feel like they're gearing up. <laughs> um, answer's The Rock. <laughs> that, that wasn't an option. They said either Hogan or Austin. They didn't say Hogan, Austin, or anyone else. They said between Hogan or Austin, who was a bigger star? <laughs> That's what I was waiting for. I was waiting, I was waiting just for that. Jesus. I but you're you're right that Conrad, that he wasn't even given another option. No, Hogan, they they pretty much stuck Hogan, to the team. Hogan or Austin. And, yeah. and I get because of, of market value. Because if we're going like what what they did in um in the sport of wrestling, mm-hmm. why didn't they say Flair? Yeah. But obviously, in, on the mainstream media and stuff, yes, Hogan or Austin, Hogan or Austin, Hogan or Austin. For me, I would choose Hogan. Mm-hmm. If I'm choosing between those two, I'm I'm going Hogan because he was also similar to The Rock, only Rock did it on a much grander <laughs> scale. Brought much more mainstream media as far as bring, at first bringing them into movies, bringing into Rocky, and yeah. and obviously the cinematic classic No Holds Barred and all those others. <laughs> but so. With that, and then just having, you know, all right, this is just our our quote-unquote hero. Here's our good guy that tries to go up against all the bad guys. While Austin was the bad guy who we wanted to cheer for because he was a bad guy, but he beat up worse guys. (laughs) That's a pretty uh, good analogy. And and obviously for, like, that Attitude Era, the Jerry Springer Era, the Mm -hmm. TV 14 MA Era, Mm -hmm. Yeah, Austin would have been... Yeah, if Hulk Hogan started then, that wouldn't fly very well. But between the two, overall, as far as the landscape on wrestling, if I had to choose between one or the other, I would choose Hogan. Why do I feel like George doesn't agree? Oh, for those of you out there who are listening, not watching, it's because he is shaking his head back and forth vigorously. Because he's wrong. (laughs) How is Austin not a bigger star than Hogan? I mean, you look at somebody like Steve Austin and everything, everything you said about Hogan is correct. Like, I'm not taking that away from him. So what, does that mean that nobody's ever going to have the opportunity to surpass Hogan because of what Hogan did in the 80s? I I didn't didn't say that no one's going to have the opportunity. Technically, we could say Cena surpassed both of them. So, so I agree. Uh, 
but I actually agree that Cena's better than Hogan. But, like, so what? What oh. did Austin need to do in order to be considered a bigger superstar than Hogan? Because Austin did everything that you said that Hogan did in the 80s. Austin did in the 90s. And the best thing about Austin was he can still be applicable to today. Like, Hogan was only good in the 80s when television well, and, we have and had entertainment. Steve Austin if we didn't have Hulk Hogan? Yes. You think so? Absolutely. You think WWF would have been around at okay, that but, point? But again, but that, but that, goes, that, that goes back to my question. Because Hogan was a pioneer, <laughs> nobody else can surpass him? I love this. No, I'm not that's saying what, that. But that's what you're saying. That, oh, well, if Austin wouldn't be around if Hogan wasn't there first. That's what essentially what you are saying. That Hogan would never, ex- if Hogan never did his thing, uh, and Austin would have never, there would have been, never been a thing for Austin to do it in. That's possible. You never know, because Hogan made WWE a national company. Yeah. It was just a territory before he got there. Stone Cold could have been crushing AWA. We don't know. He could have been doing great in Crockett Promotions, gave him stunning Steve Austin. But because Hogan made it a national platform, and then international platform, and then Austin took it to even further heights. He just said it further heights. Not from, from where heights. it was. Further heights, right, which because, even higher Because heights. Hogan left for WCW. Yeah, but you just and Austin went to further heights. Right, means- thanks to also being around Shawn Michaels and The Rock and The Undertaker and The Big Show and Mankind okay, that's and like Godfather saying, uh, and Val Venus and Edge and Christian. <laughs> and, um, you think Val Venus was part of the reason for their success? In the Attitude Era, he was a big reason for Attitude it. Attitude Era is overrated anyways. But which is why, like, I think somebody like Austin, yeah, I mean, yeah, you had your rock, obviously, you know, you had the the Triple H's, but for what Austin did, like, I don't think people can fathom just how successful and how much money Austin made for himself and for the company, not taking away anything from Hogan, but I just think with Austin, everything that he did and everything that can still be done today, where he could be more, I think Austin can, he could have done more and more eras as opposed to Hogan that I think he could have only done his thing in one era because he did that thing in WCW and it completely failed until he Ooh. went until he went heel. See, I I kind of disagree on that because I feel Austin because um, he he knew he had to make a change from stunning Steve Austin because that wasn't working. He obviously made the change. The rest mm-hmm. is history with that. But I feel Hulk Hogan and his persona because yeah he turned heel mm-hmm. as Hollywood, but he was still Hulk Hogan. Mm-hmm. That character lasted far longer than Stone Cold Steve Austin did. Steve Austin was four to five years. And don't argue that I was going to say, no, no argument not, there. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> arguing that, but longevity, <laughs> longevity so shouldn't saying, equate to someone's greatness. Stone Cold Steve Austin, that character, and that peak in the Attitude Era would not have worked in the 80s. It would not work as well today because they would to- they would have toned it down and not made it as good as it was when it was. I don't know about that. I mean, Becky Lynch, uh, I think, Becky, is probably the closest thing to Austin. That's, and that's maybe the closest thing. And that's she's a, far from being toned that's down. That's a much watered-down version of what Steve Austin was. But she's was. far from being toned down to, what, to the product that you think it is now anyways. Nah. Ooh. It's getting a little heated in here. I well, think I like what's, it. What's the tiebreaker? <laughs> Well, no, I just like to hear you guys argue. But I want to know who's, you know? Our our, 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 our comments will decide who, who won that one. Yeah, everybody, make sure you post below. Weigh in on this. You, you both have made very good points. So, which, so next week, then, we'll talk about how I destroyed him. <laughs> okay, I'll put it on the <laughs> Studio audience, it's okay. We'll get through this. I love that. I love that. Okay, let's cool down for a sec. What do you guys know about um, Keith Mitchell? The name, but yeah, I've heard the name. That's it. I've heard heard good things even before this episode. Uh, I've heard good things about him. Um, 
from previously, from previous WCW, but I guess he's going to have a, a hand in AEW, which from all accounts sounds like it's a great get. Yeah. A more important get than maybe some of the talent as well. Yeah, and I tried to do a little research on him and didn't find much outside of the fact of him just being a, a producer at WCW. I thought maybe one of you would have a little more insight. Nothing more no, than honestly, no. Has. If you guys don't know, then I'm guessing that was a brand new name to all of the a listeners lot of people. on this show. Sure. Yeah. I mean, his name gets dropped and mentioned, like you know, on the on the Shivani podcast and even on the Bishop podcast, but nothing. Just again, again, it just gets dropped, right? But nothing more, like as far as like detail goes. Mm-hmm. Well, we did go in a little bit on this Mike Graham clip. I'm really curious how you guys felt about this. I, in all honesty, I want you guys to sort of give maybe the background or give anyone else a little info on this because it was a lot. Well, Mike Graham was an agent for WCW, uh, and obviously he came from the Florida Territory. Oh, was it Florida his, Championship his, Wrestling? His, was dad, that, was his that what dad, it was? or Championship Wrestling Florida. Uh-huh. His dad, Eddie Graham, was you know a wrestler, second generation. Yeah. But from all accounts, I hate to speak with well, well dead, but like he was really a nice person. He sounded, he sounded very bitter. Yeah, I, I, I heard a lot of like uh, scandalous kind of stories with, featuring Mike Graham. Mm-hmm. So for kind of him to be saying that, you know, what he did on the show about Bischoff and whatnot, it's like, it doesn't really hold much merit considering his reputation. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, I don't mean, I don't blame Bischoff for cutting it off. Maybe not, not, a, not of like just being upset, but just like, like why? Like this guy has got no merit, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and we, they were playing a clip of someone whining. Yeah, and so, I, I mean, regardless of who it was, it's just like, well, that's yeah. not going to make for a good, like, if if someone was listening and they were just hearing me whine all day, no, this isn't good, we yeah. should do that, I, I would have done this, <laughs> you would have turned like, them off. Because I think that he got he got a little tryout with WWE as, like, an agent or a producer, but it just didn't work out pretty quickly, and mm-hmm. again, who's, I mean, again, I'm not surprised. Mm-hmm. Bischoff using the phrase and reminding us this is someone who blew his brains out, I thought was really harsh. Yeah. Again, right? again, obviously a troubled. Obviously, there's a much deeper uh, root of the problem yeah. that we're not going to get into. But just again, kind of, it all kind of fits together, you know. Kind mm-hmm. of knowing that maybe he was battling depression or just again, again, just overall, just like I don't really hear many good things about the guy. No. So just, I mean, again, he didn't go into much detail, but obviously out of respect. But again, yeah, I think we learned a little something there, though. We also learned about the history of the word mark. <laughs> I knew okay. that. You know what's funny? I found this out like I was gonna a say, month ago. I've heard that before, so if you knew it, it was probably from you. No, I mean, what did you hear? Because I, I barely found this out like a month ago. Okay, so this idea that the marks are the fans who are um, in so enthralled in the action and maybe so naive and well, not paying attention that they can they're oblivious. Yeah, so they can pickpocket easily. It's not even like a, a, a way or a, a, a description. It's just you know how you go to the old school carnival boots and they'd be a little bit elevated. Yeah, you know when you when you go to the ticket counter, it'd be higher and be like oh you know what well, you know so they can see down your purse or down or whatever so that way they can see if you have like a big wallet. Or a lot of Who money, and a lot of money, and then and then somebody would mark them. They would mark it yeah. like something where it's like, oh, you know, that's that, this, mar- that's what they term this, marks. Yes, this person got money. This person got marked because right. they're, they're oblivious. They're you know gullible and whatnot. So because yeah. they because they, they just get so into whatever it is mm-hmm. that that you know oh well we'll just keep taking their money. AKA people. Oh, no, I don't like that this person's champion. Yeah, I'm going to resubscribe my network. And, 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 oh, and, and from what I hear, Vince McMahon doesn't like that that term either. Mm-hmm. He's very like, they're not marks, they're fans, damn it. Mm-hmm. You know? there There's fans, there's marks, and there's smarks. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I mean, we're all, all the above. Let's be real. All right, I'm sure. <laughs> and there was a lot of respect for the fans behind the scenes at WWE. Just oh, I'm sure. Just FYI. I mean, it's just one of those where uh, it just the 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 people that kind of complain and bitch all the time. Mm-hmm. They're in such the minority, but it's not even that. They're just so inconsistent with their arguments that it's mm-hmm. like, well, you know, you guys what, are so. What do you see more on Yelp? Bad reviews or good reviews? Yeah, you see the bad reviews, right? So, like, when what do you hear most? About the WWE product, people talking negatively or po- or positively. It's negative because those are the people who want to go on the keyboards right. and, and write or whatever but it may be. So, but even kind of going going really really current, you have all those people that were like bitching about China not being in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Cool, now she's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Oh well, she should have been, uh, you know, by herself. It's yeah. like yo, know, like just accept the fact that she's going to get her her acknowledgement mm-hmm. in the Hall of Fame. You're getting exactly what you want, and you're still bitching I, like I. I, I have one that I saw. I saw a meme of it today. Was just and then current because this has to do with like the raw audience last night. Yeah. So it's it's one thing of like, all right, audience doing uh, stupid chants that have nothing to do with the match. Wrestle. Oh, that's very disrespectful to the wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, crowd doing the wave during the match. That's very disrespectful. Crowd not doing anything and being silent. That's very disrespectful. What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. I think it might have been Satin. I don't remember. But somebody he said the example of like when somebody asked for a ten. And you give them two fives, and they start complaining anyways. It's like, you're getting exactly what you want. And, again, I don't blame the company for kind of ignoring that or not really catering to that. Yeah, and we're talking about a certain kind of fan. But what Eric did on this episode when he was answering the question was he gave wrestling fans a lot of props. Mm -hmm. He said, you know what, they're a lot smarter than Mm -hmm. people give them credit for. Um, They understand the history, which is something that I think maybe people outside of the business, there's some sort of stigma or some idea of like, oh, the wrestling fan. But it's absolutely true when you meet these people, they are intelligent Mm -hmm. about the product. They're intelligent about professional wrestling. They're not just yahoos that are all doing the B word on social media. I just don't use that word. Sorry. I guess I won't use it either. I'll use female dogs. No, but that's... Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that was fun. Let's see if this one gets as hot as, uh, as our other little debate here. Best segment in Nitro history. Okay, Eric was asked on this episode if it was the Ric Flair and his boxers thing. I guess I'll go first. Yeah, no, uh, no, because I still need to think, so go. <laughs> I think the best segment in the history of Monday Nitro, uh, it's not that, but it was relatively close a couple months before. I think the best segment is uh, the Horsemen reuniting in 98 when Flair came back. Oh, um, When it was like uh, Benoit Malenko, Mongo, Arn, JJ. Um, just the reaction. I, I think they were in Charlotte or somewhere near in that area. Um, man, like I, that reaction that Flair got was just an insane, unreal. Yeah, what a goof. Uh, and then Rick Flair, the, the whole fans, and I want to say, and I could be very, very wrong with this. I think that was probably one of the last times, or the last time, that Nitro won or beat Raw. Um, but that segment, I mean, if I were to say like second, I'd probably say the Horseman parody, which I will, I swear to God. Whenever it comes up, I'm gonna go off on Bischoff for just for the simple <laughs> fact that I'm not gonna bring it up today. I'll wait till it gets brought up in some point. Just for the simple fact that he apologized for that. It's like no, you're uh, that that after that segment, it made me want to order Fall Brawl. <laughs> and wasn't that the what the point of what you were trying to do? So don't apologize for what you did because it made me want to it made me want to buy the pay per view the next Sunday. The first one that came to my mind while trying to think was the parody. As far as like, because I was that was of, hilarious. Like, though. I, I will know because I always think of like the best segments as ones by heels that like you remember, and then people mm-hmm. have to get the revenge on. Right. But obviously, 
the Horseman Reunited one is so there. The one that Eric mentioned certainly up there. Notice how all these are talking about Ric Flair. Yeah. yeah. And, and just the fire me. I'm already fired. Uh, I mean, I and I personally, I know. Also, the impressions are uncanny. Yeah. It, I thought Flair was here for a second. <laughs> the I know uh, Bischoff uh, trashed this a couple months ago on a podcast, and I think it was just because of how long, but I always remember the Nitro where the NWO just completely tore up the set and put their own <laughs> stuff on. The problem you was like uh, just how I loved it. It was just way too long. Yeah. If it was only like five minutes, because I remember, I remember specifically... It was like half an hour that, long. Yeah, yeah. It, was like, it was like the first half of the show. Yeah. And I remember them like like taking the big WCW like steel things and knocking them over, and I was just like, that is so badass. It must have know. also been so much fun for them. Um, oh, Side um, note. Another big segment, I mean, I call it a segment, even though it wasn't necessarily a promo, mm-hmm. when Goldberg beat Hogan. Mm-hmm. And when Luger beat Hogan. Oh, that was huge, too. When Luger, because that was the shock, because that was right before a pay-per-view. That was mm-hmm. August 4th, 97. Right before, I'll right take before, his word for it. I right no before idea. World Wild 98. It's from the Palace of Auburn he Hills. He could just be making these up all he the very, time. We wouldn't he even could, know. You know, you, know, know. you know that I'm not. I know. That's the best part of it. <laughs> But the, the fact that, because Luger was supposed to have his title match at the Bay Review, they had it on Nitro early, and he beat Hogan for yeah. the title. And the entire locker room just bombards him in celebration. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I put that over Goldberg's. I put the Luger win over Goldberg's win mm-hmm. for, like, that moment. So, yeah, we just named, like, five or so moments. Four of them containing flair. Yeah. <laughs> no surprise there. If I were yeah. to guess, I, 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 if it was number one, I probably would put the Horseman Reunion I, 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 I can't argue with that. It's so emotional, one. you know? Like, yeah. when, whenever you get, like, real emotions involved in And they're all in same, tuxes. And same thing with the Arn, with the Arn retirement, when he, when he gave his spot to Henning. Like, that that as well. Whenever it's, like, real emotion, I think mm-hmm. that's always good. But, yeah, just all, all great. There's been a lot of great Nitro segments, but, yeah. So it was the ones that got the reaction out of you. Yeah. That's what you were going for. I love that. Well, that, that all, all those things went down on television. And we're talking about whether we're going to see pro wrestling on TV, any maybe new promotions popping up anytime soon. TNA is going back and forth, switching up networks sometimes. And Eric answered a question about professional wrestling TV today. And considering the fact that he is one of the all-time greatest producers of professional wrestling programming, I think this holds a lot of weight. He said that traditional TV is a fool's game. It's too expensive. There's too much pressure. And that now everything um, in ad sales is digital, and streaming gives you more flexibility. He was basically saying TV would be where wrestling promotions would go to die right now, and that they should go for a streaming service instead, or maybe some kind of on-demand thing. I thought that was very telling. That was interesting because I disagree entirely. Like, yeah, I, but it, you didn't produce WCW for how many years? But also, I'm the person Yet. watching it. Yeah, Yet. <laughs> but I'm the person. I'm the audience that they want to capture. Maybe I'm in the minority. Maybe I'm in the majority. I want to know what you think. But like, if something's not on TV, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna be in a hurry to watch it. You know, when it comes to, I'm telling you, like right now, I have on my DVR uh, WWE uh, Women's uh, Wow. Uh, New Japan, uh, even at times Championship Wrestling from Hollywood when they don't think, even Ring Warriors. Like, it, it's one of those where it's like, if it's on TV, I'm going to make it a point to try to watch it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Do you As watch opposed anything to... besides wrestling? No. <laughs> okay. Uh, and, but if it's on, if it's on, only on internet, like, I'm not going to lie, like, with the exception of, like, uh, West Coast Wrestling Connection, which featured Chrissy Olsen. I had no desire to watch that show Dumpsy, ever. Dumpsy. You know, like I only saw it for her. But if it wasn't for her, like I would have nothing. Like, oh well, there's wrestling on my app. Yeah, no thanks. If it's on TV, okay, let me see if it. Let me see. Let me watch it on TV. 
So that's just me. I don't know what you think. I think the key thing is having a really strong combination. Mm-hmm. And that's what WWE has right now. Because mm. they have the network where all the pay-per-views and the point. exclusives and the specials. But obviously they still have, for the casual fan that can flip through the channels, or if you're at a bar or mm. whatever, and they can flip it to Raw or SmackDown. Impact, give credit where credit is due. And you can't say credit with Impact often. <laughs> but I like what they're doing right now. So they have a network Obviously, not a very popular network. Yeah, where are they on now? Pursuit. Outdoors Pursuit. or something? Yeah, it's Pursuit. an outdoor theme. Okay, network. it's like most on Direct TV. Yeah, Direct TV, right? Yeah, most of the good channels are like two oh six and like three thirty. Yeah, Pursuit's mm-hmm. like six oh four. It's up there. Yeah. <laughs> but, but that said, so people can certainly tune into that if they chose. But being that they also are on Twitch and go nuts on social media, mm-hmm. they they are still captivating people to tune in and keeping up with. You know, the trend right now, because Twitch is a big trend. I mean, Afterbuzz is doing some Twitch stuff now, too. Yeah. So, so you know, by them doing that, Ring of Honor honestly needs to do more than what they're doing right now. Um, Championship Wrestling Politics do, like, the Fight Network and different items like that. But, yeah, it's more than just an app on the phone. Mm-hmm. You need to have a good combination of them and and a way to balance it. Because like, right, some things are just going to be on this and some are just going to be on that. Are you going to choose one? Are you going to do both? You don't want both at the same time Mm -hmm. because then, oh, well, it's just easier to do this. Well, then those numbers are going to drop. Right. They don't air NXT on the network on Monday nights at five when Raw is on. Right. Right. So so by by picking and choosing and still having it divided up, I think that's the best recipe, which WWE, I feel, is doing very well right now. I feel Impact is getting better at it and Mm -hmm. Ring of Honor needs to. New Japan's doing well at it. Yeah. Um, and Ring of Honor needs to improve on that. Well, WWE might be splitting that pay-per-view audience with some of the Total Bellas people. I mean, let's be real. You don't think so? Nothing? Crickets? Okay, maybe not. I mean, maybe. <laughs> Wait, what? Have you seen Total Bellas Total- recently? I haven't, actually. Yeah, you're not to be honest much, with you. It's, kinda, it's getting kind of lame. <laughs> what did Total Bellas have to do with this? It's just they're on at the same time as pay-per-views are now, because it's on on Sunday nights. Oh, really? Yeah. So, oh. like, literally a pay-per-view will be starting, and the entire, you know... Brand new family is is tweeting out. Make sure you watch Total Bellas. You haven't noticed that? <laughs> no, uh, I'm busy all wa- the, all I'm the watching things the pay-per-view. you guys are paying attention. Oh, okay, all right, <laughs> good. Yeah. <laughs> well, were there any other uh, bombshells in this episode? Anything that really spoke to you? I was surprised that he, he picked Becky Lynch as like the number the number one person. I wasn't. He, would. He, he praises her constantly all the time. But yeah, but I didn't think he would he to would lead an entire like, company to, though. Like oh, you just opened a company. Okay. Who's the first person you're going to hire? Becky Lynch. I'm like, "Oh, wow." Yeah. Good for you. Um, I love not enough people praise Al Snow enough and I love how he gave him credit. Yeah. On this. And it was interesting cuz he he's like, "All right, I need to do the perfect storyline." Just Al Snow and Bully Ray. I thought that was inter- an interesting pairing. I wouldn't have expected that pairing, yeah. but it makes sense. Yeah. And then the the landstorm uh, being his son, like that's not oh, new God. information. But I like that he allowed that was such a that's such a bad idea. It. I would have dug it, but you'd heard of it before. Yeah, I would. Oh, I never it. heard that one. Mm-hmm. I mean, would that be worse than Jason Jordan as Kurt Angle's kid? Yes, <laughs> I disagree. Is that possible? <laughs> I disagree. Yes, I that. think it would have been. I really because I mean, I'm curious I what know. they would have done with Jason Jordan had he not got hurt. But you know, well, we'll never know. Yeah, we'll never know. Oh, sad. On that incredibly <laughs> sad note. super happy note. <laughs> no, this was fun. This was fun. We got a lot of good stuff out of this episode, but we are going to get even more out of the man himself, Eric Bischoff, when he calls in for a special Q&A in just a few minutes. Stay tuned. 
All right, you guys are off camera. Eric's online, calling him now. Hey, Eric. Hey, how are you? Good, good. Uh, stand by one second, please. Okay, sorry about that. Eric had to fix something in the studio. Hold on one second. Let me see if I can mess with my light just a bit. Sure. It's about as good as it's going to get. Okay. I'm in a hotel, so. <laughs> Got you. Well, I appreciate you calling in. Okay, guys. Here we go. <clears throat> uh, Christy, uh, scoot a time bit to your right for me, please. There we go. There we go. Give me a thumbs up when you're ready. All right. Coming back in. Welcome back to After 83 Weeks on the 83 Weeks channel. Joining us now is a man who answered your thousands of questions this week on 83 Weeks. It's Eric Bischoff. Hello, sir. How are you? I missed you guys last week. We missed you as well. You were doing a little traveling, it sounds like. Yeah, I was on my way to uh, Osaka, Japan. So just the, the flight connections didn't work out for me to be able to sit down and do a Skype. But uh, I did miss you. I did think about it. Well, we appreciate that. That's so sweet. And I'm wondering, did you have a good time in, in Japan? You were there to honor Masa Saito. Is that right? Yeah, it was a very fast and furious kind of trip. We were in and out. I, I honestly, I, you know, at one point I thought I was spending more time in the air than I was on the ground. <laughs> but it, but it was so great. We had an amazing time. Met some great people, some old friends, some new friends, and a whole lot of people that uh, were big fans of Masa Seiyo. So it was wonderful. Well, that's cool. Well, we really enjoyed this week's episode of 83 Weeks because uh, we love when the fans get to pick your brain. Are there any questions that you ever are surprised by anymore? Like, do you ever get asked a question that you've never been asked before? This is going to sound really arrogant, and I don't mean it to, but I love really smart questions. Mm -hmm. And by smart questions, I mean questions that, you know, want to have some insight into an aspect of the business that is not generally discussed and not normally a topic of conversation. So I love to discuss, you know, new things, you know, how the business works, how it operates, as opposed to the kind of the same old stories that we've all told or heard over the years. So it, it, I, I love good quality questions. And when I get them, it, it, it doesn't surprise me at a, you know, oh, I'm shocked somebody asked a smart question, but it, it surprises me sometimes how much insight wrestling fans have into the business of the wrestling business. 
Yeah, and that's that's pretty cool. So I want to start off with a fan question that you maybe didn't get to this week. This one's from Ryan Harry, and he's wondering if there's any truth to the story Buff Bagwell recently shared about you wanting to have him die and come back as a ghost. <laughs> you recall this one? Yeah, well, <laughs> it's another one of those, <clears throat> I hate to call bullshit, but oh. <clears throat> I used to have an airplane. I, I was a pilot. And my instrument rating as a pilot, I had my own airplane as a pilot. Everybody knew I flew around a lot. So I had, when I orchestrated that death by airplane, it was my death. It wasn't Bagwell's. Now, Mark may have a story where he thought maybe he was going to be one of the guys on the plane or something like that. But in order for that story to have worked, it would have had to been plausible. And the audience knew that I had my own plane. The audience knew that I did a lot of flying right around the southern Arizona-Mexico border. And my original plan was for me to crash in Mexico because I knew it would take at least four or five days to get any news out of Mexico. So I was going to fake my crash in Mexico, and I was going to show up oh and help me havoc. And, and perhaps I shared it with Bagwell after the fact because, by the way, my wife didn't know. It wasn't until the last minute when I told Harvey Schiller, because I was a technically an officer of Turner Broadcasting, mm-hmm. so, and it was a publicly held company, so I had to kind of divulge it, much to my chagrin. Wish I wouldn't have. But Harvey shut it down. But I can tell you definitively, if Bagwell was going to be on a plane, it was an incidental effect, not, not the major storyline. Wow, and what a storyline that would have been, man! Awesome. <laughs> um, uh, the first question of Turner wouldn't let me do it because they were so afraid that an executive dying in a plane crash that ended up with being being a hoax would actually affect their stock prices. So that's why they wouldn't let me do it. Well, like Vince in the limo. I mean, it was it was kind of like everyone went nuts when Vince McMahon's limo exploded on him. Only I was going to take that to a whole new level. Yeah. I was- kind of defraud foreign governments into believing it was true. So. <laughs> you you would, Eric. You would. <laughs> uh, uh, to open up yesterday's episode, uh, the question was, who is the bigger superstar, Hogan or Austin? You said Hogan. I think it's Austin, but... George is wrong. Well, what I'm saying, like, I know, I know you said Hogan because maybe the impact that he had in the 80s and what he brought to wrestling. So... Does that mean that nobody else has that ability to maybe surpass Hogan because of the you know Hogan being a pioneer? And if so, what did Austin maybe what can he have done to maybe have been able to surpass Hogan and being? Uh, I know there's no wrong answer, but I just want to know like maybe no, what- no. But if you, and not to you know bust your chops here, but I also said you know that that opinion is is subjective. It's yeah. in the eye of the beholder, right? And it all depends on the context in which you're measuring someone's, you know, significance on. I think in terms of timing and, and, and if you look at the macro kind of perspective of professional wrestling in our culture, you know, I think Hulk Hogan had the biggest impact at that particular time in a way that influenced popular culture that perhaps Steve Austin didn't have. I think if you measure Steve Austin's impact in terms of, you know, resurrecting WWE at a time when they had been down – yeah. <laughs> but also measuring it in sheer, you know, revenue, you might argue that Steve was bigger. It just so much depends on the perspective from which you're making that subjective decision. In terms of what could Austin have what could Austin do? Nothing, because he can't go back in time. He can't go back and be the first man on the moon. You were either the first man on the moon or you weren't. 
And if you weren't, there's nothing you could do to become the first man on the boat. Austin wasn't the first guy to kind of catapult the sports entertainment industry into what we now recognize as the modern era. Hogan was. So, but that's my opinion. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean I'm right. It's just that's my opinion. No, it's okay. You're, you're right because that was my opinion as well. So, <laughs> so we're good there. <laughs> um, uh, question- I'm not trying to win an arm wrestling match here. I'm just sharing my thoughts. That's all. <laughs> You got, I know, I know you weren't here earlier, but it got very heated between these two. So sorry if it's a little awkward. Well, you know what? I happen to be in LA while we're doing this. So if it gets really bad, just let me know. I'll come down and curb stomp the both of them. Perfect. I've been waiting a long time for that to happen. Gee, thanks, Kristen. JK. <laughs> uh, a question for you. I know we, we talked a couple weeks ago regarding Hall of Fame stuff. And I noticed how Conrad stole the same question that I asked you a few weeks ago, but that's okay. Um, but I want to know with the news. He's not. He's not a very honorable person. I know, right? <laughs> Shame on him. But um, news broke out yesterday of, of Degeneration X being, you know, inducted as as a group into the Hall of Fame. I'm curious because I personally, I'm not a big fan of groups being inducted because I almost feel like it takes some of the spotlight away from the individual wrestler. To me, it almost feels like okay. Do, so you're not quite sure if they can get inducted. On their own, I was kind of curious on your thoughts. I, I don't feel that way at all. You know, when I think of Degeneration X, I think of a moment in sports entertainment history that was significant, in their case, extremely significant, just like the NWO was for us, or Hulk Hogan was, or Steve Austin was, or Ric Flair was, you know, The Rock was, John Cena was. Each of them had their own moments within the kind of macro perspective of wrestling time. And, and I think of, you know, DX is a very, almost like a character of its own. So I don't, and I don't get hung up on it. You know, we all get so hung up or I, you know, I don't t- intentionally, but it's like, oh, it's like I was reading about China. Oh no, she should be inducted individually. My God, it's an honor. You're getting respected. You're getting, you're getting, um, your peers are acknowledging you for your contribution to the industry that is so hard to break into. Why isn't that good enough? Why do we have to have a freaking debate about groups or individuals? I don't know. That's just me. I think well, we just get, we just get so hung up on the whining and moaning stuff sometimes. Well, nuts. I'm just curious. Along with that, then, well, then say there say a group is going. I mean, let's just use NWO for example. A group with so many people. So then, are we having like is Horace Hogan going to have his speech then? Because I mean, then that gets like how many like where's the cutoff point? It's just me. I'm the guy that created it. Nobody else has to talk to anybody else. Nobody else. <laughs> yes. Is anything you want to know about the end? <laughs> Perfect. This, this is called one-stop shopping. It gets everything happens faster because of it. <laughs> I love that. Well, let's rewind a little bit because Mr. Moran 15, he wants to know after mankind's King of the ring bump off the cage, did any guys request to do a stunt to try to upstage him? <laughs> no, no one. Hell with that. <laughs> Put me in a mixed tag. <laughs> Nobody saw that attention and uh, was trying to concoct something bigger and better? No, Mick was unique in that respect. And he was kind of a – look, a lot of guys were doing a lot of really um, risky, highly athletic, highly risky types of things to, to get a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. But you know, other than Terry Funk, I would say that Nick was really – at least in the modern day, Terry was in the earlier days – Mick was a modern day 
innovator in that respect. And a lot of people followed him. You know, no disrespect to a lot of others who did that kind of crash and burn, crazy style of stuff. But Mick was doing that in early '93 in WCW, and it just progressed and evolved. So, no, no, no one in WCW went, "Hey, I, I want to throw myself off, you know, <laughs> a four-story cage into you know broken glass and flaming, you know, propane and you know thumbtacks and barbed wire and what else do we have? Props, <laughs> <the> department." <laughs> When you and Russo got together in April of 2000, what exactly was the hierarchy? You were you were you still executive vice president, and he was like head writer. How did that work? Because they made it seem like you guys were like co managers in some way, but I assume that you were still above him, correct? Uh, yes and no. When I left WCW, I was the president of the company who reported to Harvey Schiller at Turner Sports who reported to Terry McGurk, who was the president of the company. That was the, you know, the, the, the flow, the flow chart, if you will. When I left in September, technically when they, when they said, go home, we'll still pay you. We want to keep you under contract. It's called pay or play. Technically speaking from a legal point, point of view, once they trigger a player, per, once they triggered a player play provision of my contract, um, they were, they were obligated to pay me for the full term of my agreement. When they wanted me to come back, it was either my option to come back under my old agreement as president of the company or tell them no and force them to write me a new agreement. That's what I did because I got paid 100% on the dollar of my previous agreement, which had two and a half years left on us. So it was a significant amount of money. And then I, then I, negotiated for a separate agreement on top of that payout and that's Eric get it (laughs) oh I CAA'd their ass (laughs) (laughs) but my second agreement uh it was important to me that I wasn't an employee and quite frankly I don't think they wanted me as an employee because it would have created a lot of internal discussion you fired this guy you gave him close to a million dollars in order to come back and now you're hiring him back as an employee. Why'd you fire him in the first place? That They wanted to avoid that discussion or as they say now, the conversation. So what they did is they brought me back as a consultant. Mm. And, but when Brad, to answer your question, when Brad Siegel called me back, he said, look, I want you to oversee Vince Russo because I think he, he needs somebody to do that. And my role, I, I wasn't technically over him in terms of a traditional corporate flowchart, but in terms of my role and my relationship with the head of TNT Network, I was. Okay. And he was a head writer, I assume, then? You're giving a lot of credit to this. It's like <laughs> you put three hamsters in a cage and said, okay, which one's the engineer? Yeah. <laughs> I hate to give anybody a title like head writer because there's a lot of really talented writers that actually write. Mm-hmm actually work really hard at it and you kind of hate to lump them all together. It's you're just disparaging an entire industry of legitimate writers. By <laughs> I want to talk about aces and eights for oh, a moment. I'm going to react to that. You guys are just so civilized. Wait, we're, 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 we're professional here, Eric, <laughs> as you can tell. We're without <laughs> Steve Kaufman me. today. So we're trying to clean it up a bit, you know? You know, I never asked you, do I get to swear on this show or not? Because I'm trying really hard. It's to too late it. now. <laughs> no. You can say. Oh, God, I never swear on this show. 
You can say whatever you want, Eric. And I and I would uh, like to remind you, you in Steve Kaufman's absence that it's your fucking channel, dude. It's on your channel. <laughs> it's your YouTube channel. <laughs> Do what you want. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I watched that movie. What was that movie with Mel Gibson? Braveheart. Um, Highlander. Oh. Was it, what, 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 what women want? Which one? The For, one where he played a Scott. He won, oh, Braveheart. What, Braveheart. Yeah, yeah. George. Braveheart. Braveheart. Yeah. It was like the third movie I watched on the flight home last night from Japan. <laughs> but I love that scene when he's laying there and he's getting his guts torn out. And he looks up and goes, just so inspiring to me. <laughs> I can picture it now. I, I normally have good segues, but I can't think of one off that. <laughs> so I'm just going to ask my question about aces and eights, I guess. <laughs> you don't have a tear your guts out segue? What's uh, no, I know. I know. I, I, I'll think of something, but it might be too late. All right. <laughs> um, so with aces and eight, besides, you know, like really the emergence of Bully Ray, which to me was probably the only real good thing that happened through the aces and eights in, in your opinion, <laughs> what, what do you feel? <laughs> I know. I know why you gave him the finger. <laughs> no, no, I know. I'm not going to suck up. I'm going to be honest <laughs> to me. The best thing was bully Ray. <laughs> yeah. Well, what did you feel was the worst thing with aces and eights? Oh, and maybe you know, what ultimately didn't work about it? No, I mean it worked really well. If you go back, that was good. If, if you go back and you look at all the measure, all, all the quantifiable categories that existed at that time, television ratings. If you go back and look at house show attendance, if you go back and look at revenue, if you go back and look at merchandise. By the way, merchandise was a very successful part of, of Aces and Eights. Mm-hmm. If you go back and you add up all those different categories and then you analyze it from a business perspective, what was successful, what wasn't, it was incredibly successful. And there's no way that you can look at it and say it wasn't. Now, you may not have liked it. It may not have been your cup of tea. And that's fine. That's subjective. That's your opinion. You may like, you know, midget garbage man. Yeah. And, 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 you know, maniacal dentists and, and things like that. That may be your cup of tea. But in terms of a storyline and its effect on the broader audience, it was extremely effective. And that's not really arguable. For the record, I want to say I was a big fan of Aces and Eights. I, I thought I thought the whole storyline. No, seriously, I thought the whole storyline building up to lockdown and that promo. It was like a three part promo with Bully Ray, like the impact after that was like one of the best things that impacts ever done. Throw it well, out there. Throw it out there. I don't, I don't know that it is or it isn't. But in terms of what worked, you know, the question is what worked, what didn't work. You know, what worked, it was a part of pop culture. You know, the, the, the whole motorcycle gang mythology has been around since the 50s, right? And, and you know, Steve McQueen's movies, you know, were all centered around motorcycle, or not all of them, but many of them were centered around that motorcycle culture. You know, in the 60s, it, you know, it, Peter Fonda's movie was a big part of the culture. You know, at the time of Aces and Eights, Sons of, Sons of Anarchy, which was one of the mm-hmm. highest rated shows on FX, mm-hmm. was a hugely dominant part of the culture. So the motorcycle culture in America and the, and the gang mythology and the loyalty and the rivalry and all of the things that are a part of motorcycle club mythology has always 
always been a very important part of our entertainment culture. And Aces and Eights was a manifestation of that. And it, there'll be another one, you know. I mean, Undertaker came out as the American badass on this Harley. There's always been spin-offs of it or derivatives of it in one way, shape, or form. But I think Aces and Aces worked because we were consistent. We stayed as true to the culture as we possibly could in terms of terminology, tradition, history, little things. And it may not be obvious to people who aren't part of that mythology, but, you know, we always had the guys sitting around a table in a clubhouse. That's how that shit goes down, yeah. right? You know, so those who knew, those who were tuned in to that kind of subculture got it. Those who weren't, weren't really confused by it. And I think that's why it worked. Interesting. Well, I want to ask you kind of a on a serious note, you know, you're such a well-read guy and you serious. keep up to date on what's kind of going on in the world. I'm wondering if you've ever researched or sort of been interested in learning about CTE. You know, I've, I, I worked with Chris Nowinski for a brief period of time mm-hmm. in WWE. He was there when I was there and I was so, impr- you know, we became, I don't want to say we you know, became friends because that suggests we were tighter than we were, but we were, we were very, very friendly. When we were on the road together, we would often sit and talk and hang out together, you know, at the hotel bar after the show or whatever, or, or in the arena. And I was so impressed that he was such a smart guy. Mm-hmm. He's smart in a way that, you know, you don't usually run into in, in professional wrestling. And when, when it comes to science and medicine and things like that. So I spent a lot of time talking to him, so impressed with him. And then later on, when he got involved in CTE, um, I became very interested in following him and what he was involved in, simply because I had that kind of remote connection to him. So my interest in CTE, to answer your question, Chrissy, was really um, the catalyst was my relationship with Chris. And at this time, yes, I follow it a lot because I think the brain and the neurology of the brain, the nutrition of the brain, I think was something that I'm personally really, really interested in. Because I think you know we're also concerned about our nutrition in your body, but your brain yeah. is a unique kind of nutrition as well. And I'm through my wife, who's very much involved in things like this. I've started becoming very interested in that. So yes, I am interested, but only because of my relationship with Chris Nowitzki. And do you believe that a professional wrestler today should be concerned about CTE? I think that's obvious. I, I think anybody that's involved, I think high school kids, my biggest concern, not my concerns, it's the wrong way to say it. You know, one of my very, very early podcasts that I did before I got hooked up with uh, Conrad, I interviewed a friend, of mine, a friend of mine who was a tight end for the San Francisco 49ers. And he's about my age, maybe a little bit older. And he said that anyone won a Super Bowl, he played for the New England Patriots, San Francisco 49ers, very well-known guy. And he said one of his causes now is to go to high schools and groups, you know, families, and speak out against kids playing football because the coaching and the awareness of CTE and the injuries that are sustained in that sport, even at a very young age, nobody really understands it yet. Mm -hmm. We're just beginning to understand it. And he speaks out pretty aggressively about kids playing sports. Um, particularly hockey. More more hockey is newer. Football, for sure, they're just beginning to realize how much of that injury is caused in hockey. So I, I'm not for it. I'm not against it. I'm for a lot of awareness. And I think the game should be modified to to take into consideration what we're learning as we're going. Mm-hmm. 
I knew you, I knew you would have a well-researched answer to that. <laughs> well, it, it may sound well-researched. I only know what I read. You know, I read a lot. I don't yeah. read in-depth. I don't read medical journals. But I try to be aware. There's certain things I try to pay attention to. And, and that's one of them because I think we're learning so much every day. It's like technology. You know, you, we, we'll be able to do things two weeks from now that we couldn't contemplate we could do today. Maybe not two weeks, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And I think the same thing is happening with nutrition and medicine and the study of the human mind and body. There's just so much we don't we don't know what we don't know, and we're learning. So that's why I pay attention. Okay, thank you. Um, I guess one more quick question. Yeah. Uh, considering Becky Lynch was your number one pick, who would you have maybe to kind of pair up with her if if you were to start a promotion? Let's say, yeah, Becky. Who would you have her against? I think everyone was just so shocked by you answering Becky Lynch to that question sure. that they're looking for maybe another answer. I wonder why, though. I, well, I, yeah, I'm, I'm stuck, too. She is the hottest thing going right now, so I'm surprised. I actually felt stupid saying it because it's, like, so obvious. Really? Sometimes when people ask me questions like that, I, I feel a little bit of pressure to go, well, I'm going to pick out this one person that nobody else sees and explain why. So, it, you know, make myself sound like a real smart guy. <laughs> But, you know, sometimes you just got to go with the obvious pick. I mean, if you're, if somebody said, okay, here's like a billion dollars, go start a wrestling company today, pick one person, go. Who would you pick? You pick Becky Lynch. Yeah. You know, and and not that I, I want to sound like I'm running for some kind of, you know, position in the Irish parliament, but, <laughs> but, I, but I like Seamus as well. Um, oh. Not... I, and I don't know him. We're not friends. You know, we don't hang out, anything like that. I'm not sure that I dig the gimmick that he's currently in. Mm-hmm. Other people do. He may love it. I'm not here to judge. I'm just saying I see him in a different kind of character. I see a ton. It's just like when Steve Austin came in as the ringmaster. It was Steve Austin, but he was the ringmaster. And I, I see something in Sheamus that is a little different than what we currently see that kind of interests me. What would you do with him? I'm not going to do that. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's pushing too far. Oh, all right. Well, on that note, I have to point out that we were incredibly rude not to invite you to our studio at AfterBuzz since you are right here in Los Angeles. So I know, I know, we're a bunch of cads over here. I try. You believe me. I know. You're sitting there alone in a hotel room. It's like, man. So, uh, deepest sure. apologies, and please know you're invited to drop by anytime. All right. Next time. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us, seeing as how you had already answered all those questions, and uh, we really appreciate it. So, thank you much. Safe travels home, and I will talk to you next week. Thanks, Eric. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Uh, all right. Well, thank you all so much for tuning in to After 83 Weeks with Christy Olson. That's me. Guys, if they want to keep up with you every week, where can they do that at? You can follow me on Twitter at Will Rosenberg, Instagram, the Will Rosenberg, com slash Christian Rosenberg. George and I have a pretty fun show this Friday, which I'm sure he's going to plug. That's right. But also make sure you talk about how Hulk Hogan was the correct answer. <laughs> it really isn't. I think Cena's overall bigger superstar than Hogan. Uh, this Friday, WPW Wrestling Pro Wrestling at the Burbank Moose Lodge, 8.30. You can get to see Dr. There's a doctor? There's a Dennis Evil, Dennis sir. Evil. <laughs> and Not a doctor the, And yet. the Devastator, too. Uh, G. Hermosa, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, G-H-E-R-M-O-Z-A. The road's at 10,000 10, 10, followers. I'm at like 500, so I got to wait right. to go. Yeah. <laughs> 
we have the show, so come on over and say hello. And yeah, you can she always, said that last time. You can always hit me up at Christy Reports. Thanks, guys, so much for tuning in. We don't know what's what they're covering next week, but I'm sure it's going to be good. We'll, be we'll see you then. Bye-bye. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.